the way that he knows you. Because if you knew you the way that he knows you, you would like you. <laughs> you would have a little trouble not boasting about yourself and how fabulous you were to everybody around you because those are the only kind of people that God creates. Um, I have spoken, I have brought what I'm talking about today into probably two or three messages over the last couple of years that I have um, been able to speak here. And I have to believe that that's because it's important. It's important to the Lord, and it's important for us to get it. You know, there's a passage, I believe that it's in James, that uh, he said this. He said, if somebody comes into the church, and how many of you all know, well, today things are a little different. Somebody could be super wealthy, and they walk in the front doors, and their jeans are full of holes because they're cool. <laughs> I cannot bring myself to buy holy jeans. I just can't bring myself to do it. So I like mine whole, like I paid good money for them. I want all the parts of the fabric there. But today they might walk in and might have holy jeans. You might not recognize them as being really wealthy. But back in the days of the Bible, if you were wealthy, everybody knew it when you walked in. And so James said this. He said, if somebody walks into your church... And I'm just going to tell you this right now, Benny, that if you all turn the air up, I will not tell pastor on you. I will not, I won't breathe a word. I won't say anything, but I'm hot. And if y'all aren't hot, raise your hands and he won't do it because, oh, Megan's not hot. So don't turn it up. She's, yeah. So, um, but he said, if you come into the church, if you see somebody with a lot of money come into the church, you do not say to them. Oh, here, we got a seat for you. Oh, we got a good seat for you. Where would you like to sit? Would you like to sit in the back? Would you like to sit in the middle? Would you like to sit on the side? Anywhere that you would like to sit, you, we got a seat for you. And he said, you do not see somebody who just comes hobbling through. They got all their worldly belongings in a backpack on their back. And you don't say to them, we have a great seat for you right in the back here. Way, way in the back. And we're going to kind of remove all the seats from around you. He said, you don't ever do that in the body of Christ. Because when you walk in the doors, when you come into the body of Christ, when you receive the Lord Jesus, every person has a place at the table. Everyone. You know how when you go to a, a fancy dinner or something where people need to be organized ahead of time so that, you know, the children are sitting next to their parents so they can take care of them and they don't end up all together with somebody else <laughs> and refuse to eat and all those kinds of things. You know, you want to make sure that the right people are, are near each other. Well, you're walking around and what do you do? You're looking for your name, right? You're looking for your name. This means, okay, this is my name. This is my place. This is where I'm supposed to sit. In the body of Christ, you have a place at the table that has your name on it. And not only do you have a place at the table that has your name on it, when you get seated, God has put things on the inside of you so that you have something to contribute to the conversation around you, to the life around you, the life of the body going around you. You have a contribution and if you're thinking, I don't have anything to contribute, I understand that. 
These things the Lord doesn't. You know, how many of you were under the impression that in the gold rush that there was like chunks of gold just laying around on the countryside? All you had to do was have a knapsack and throw the chunk. Well, those are the way I saw it in the movies. That's the way it happened. You find a chunk of gold or you go in a cave and you got your pickaxe and there's a bit. All you had to do was just axe it all out and gold is soft so it wasn't hard. And then we visited a mine, a gold mine. And they told us how gold is mined. <laughs> they take rock that has no look of gold on it and they crush it and they put it through a process, and they extract the gold, and they have to crush tons of rock to get a little bit of gold, and it's enough, it's enough that it's, it's worth it to them. And, you know, the gifts of God that are on the inside of you and on the inside of me that he's given to you, they're not laying around all of them like a nugget of gold. It's just not laying around like, oh, I know what, I'm good. Let me just look at my nuggets, okay? I'm good at music. I'm good at math. I'm good at um, climbing trees, whatever it is. These are the things that I'm... It's not like that. As you give yourself to God, as you offer yourself up, there is a process of self-discovery. You know, I am, I am almost 58 years old, and I just became aware this this last year of some things, brand new things I didn't know about myself, things that I liked and didn't like. It's like, oh, wow, I thought I would have figured that out years ago, <laughs> but I didn't. It's a process of continual discovery. You're discovering what God has put on the inside of you, and the truth is that he's put so much stuff on the inside of you that probably most of us will go to the grave carrying some of our gifts with us. <laughs> we, we may not have time on this earth to use every single one of them. I want us to open with a passage in Psalm 139, and this will help us to get where we're going. But humanity is incredible. You know, the Bible tells us that in Genesis that we were made in God's image and after his likeness. That's something. I mean, that is something. That you are patterned. You're not an exact copy, but you are patterned after God. So we're going to start with the very first verse, and we're going to move pretty rapidly through a lot of verses, and then we'll move on from there. But it starts out, it says, Oh God, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. That means God is looking at you and he understands you. He knows what's going on with you. He knows what's going on in your mind. He knows your patterns of life. He knows where you're going, what you're doing. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but, before, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You've hedged me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Can you imagine that? Can you really imagine that? That God is not just... I mean, sometimes I find it easy 
to believe that God is very aware of other people's lives. But it's easy for me to feel like at times that he's just not aware of mine. Everybody else, but, but not me. He knows all about you. He says this, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? I mean, some of you have been in some tough places, but you've never been away from the presence of God, no matter where you've been. If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. I, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will fall on me, even the night will be light around me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, and I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You know, when is the substance of you yet unformed? We're talking about the very, very beginning of conception. Your mama probably didn't even know you were on the way. And yet God saw you and he knew you. And in your book... Your eyes saw my substance being yet informed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. So this paints a picture of God being aware of you from your very first moments. And every moment since that time, no matter where you've been, no matter what has happened in your life, God has been there and he has been aware of you. He has known you. He has not rejected you. He has accepted you and loved you. It says here that he had from those beginning moments, he had so many thoughts about you that they could not even be counted. You have been on God's mind for a long, long time. Now, some of you might be thinking, if God was aware of me, then I've got a whole list of things that I would like to know where he was when these went on. <laughs> I got my list cracked out. And I heard an illustration the other day that, that I thought was so great. But he said, it's like, in this life, it's like, God, you're, we're all on a ship ship of earth and God is directing that ship and he will make sure it gets to its destination nobody is going to push any button there's not going to be any war that happens there's not going to be anything that happens where God said well bummer <laughs> there went the whole plan that's not how it was supposed to end it was supposed to end here like this no God's in control of the ship but the people on the ship are controlling their own lives. You know what the wonderful thing is? Is at any point, God wants to be involved in your life. 
at any point you can cry out to him, and I have many times, in the hard, hard places of my life, and he hears you and he'll help you on that ship. <laughs> he will help you, but he's not responsible for everything that happens on the ship. He's responsible for the ship to get where it's going. And so every single one of you are so precious to God. How many of you struggle sometimes feeling that same sense of love for one another? How many of you have encountered people where the word precious just doesn't come to mind? There are other words that come to mind. Frustrating might come to mind. Irritating might come to mind. Run might come to mind. <laughs> precious doesn't come to mind. But there is a there is a scripture, let me see where that one was. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.16, if you'll put it up there, it tells us this, and it's so important. It says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That means I do not need to look at you and believe that what I see is all that there is to you. You are so much more. I am so much more than just what you see on the surface. There's so much more to me. So we all come, you know, God's hovering over us. Things go wrong with the DNA. Do, do you understand that? Things happen sometimes. People are born. Things have gone wrong. Um, maybe we think, Lord, what were you doing? You know, that's a topic for another day. But up until that time, we've been in this, we've been in this warm place, um, and then we're born. And then we are subject to all sorts of different environments. Some people are raised with great poverty, where they're never sure where the next meal is coming from for years on end, sometimes their entire life. Some people are raised with plenty. Some people are raised in a home where everybody's angry. Somebody, some people are raised in a home where everybody's loving, or at least some of the people are loving. Some people are raised in times of war. Some people are raised in times of peace. All of these differing things in our environment. Some people were raised in church to know God, to know that he wants to be involved in their life. Some people were raised to believe that there is no God and that all that there is to this life is whatever you make of it, and you've got to stick up for yourself. So you've got all these, all these differing things that come together in our environment that give to a different presentation, don't they? Yeah, it makes an impact. I've known many people who have adopted children from foreign countries who are in terrible conditions, and they bring them into a loving, warm, where they can give them provision, but some of them it takes years before they'll quit hiding food and hiding their belongings because it's impacted them, that there may not be any tomorrow. I know these people, their cupboards are full, but who knows what will happen to those cupboards in the nighttime while I'm sleeping. <laughs> there might not be, or they might get mad at me. They might put me on the street, and then when I've got to hide my food, I've got to hide my clothes, I've got to do all this, you know, so that I'll be taken care of. So all of these things um, impact us. And then you add to it, some people have been through really, really traumatic things. Some things have happened in the lives of people that should never happen wasn't the plan of God for it to happen. There's been losses. There's been losses of limbs, people who are close to you. There's been abuses. Um, all of these things, 
So when somebody presents to you, you don't just get this sweet little glowy person that God gifted and blessed and had all these thoughts. You get all of the scars. You get all of the cuts. You get all of the boulders and things that have been placed on top of them. You get the whole thing. And that's why the Lord says, don't know. Don't look at any man according just to the flesh. Because things in the flesh, uh, they're confusing. You can lose sight completely of what God has placed inside of a person. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there are two big problems that we have in the body of Christ. When it comes to these things, we're going to start in verse 12. And it says... For as um, the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So you can look at it. We all have a place at the table. You can look at it like a puzzle. You're a piece in the puzzle. Um, how many of you like? How many of you have ever done a puzzle and had one missing piece? But you didn't figure that out till the end. It'll make you obsessive. The next puzzle you start, you'll count every piece, even if it's a thousand before you start, just to make sure. All the pieces are there because it's traumatic for you. Uh, nobody likes a puzzle with no piece. And you are that important to the body of Christ that you have a specific place where you belong. How many have been pu putting a puzzle and it just doesn't quite feel right? And you ask whoever you're doing a puzzle with, hey, do you think this fits? It kind of fits. I can kind of squish it in there, but it, no, I don't think it fits. It's not lining up quite right. You know, we can take each other's places sometimes in some of these things because some people, they don't come into the picture right away, so we're squishing into their place. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can handle this. I, I'll take care of this. But it's not your place. It's their place. And when they come along, what do we have to do? We've got to give them their place, don't we? <laughs> because that's what God created them for and he d designed them for. Oh, I totally, how am I in Colossians when I'm supposed to be in Corinthians? I do not understand these things. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, let me find it all over again. Or I could just read there. For one spirit, but as the body is one and has many members, but all the members, okay, I already read that. Let's go to the next one. For by one spirit we were all baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, okay, this is where it's really important. I've got to read this on myself. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Can you answer that for me? If a foot says, if your foot on your body says, because I'm not a hand, I am not significant to the body. Is that true? Okay, it's not true. Can we feel like it's true sometimes? Yeah, we can. If the ear should say, because I am an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? It's still a part of the body. It's still important to the body. The whole, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Every part has a part to play. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as it pleased him. And if they were all one, one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many bodies and yet Many, many members in yet one body. So, we have, first of all, this feeling of 
what I am in the body is not significant. You know, some of that might be because you have sat and you have not, you've been saying, I got no gold nuggets. I'm not a gold nugget. I looked around, there's nothing. I'm like nothing. You know, the, the first time that uh, I had just got married, Mike had been married before we were married. His wife died in a car accident. And so I inherited a six-year-old. And so I'm a very responsible person. So as soon as we're married, I realized that I should participate in children's ministry because I now had a child. And that's what people do who have children, correct? Correct. So I went and I looked at the, they showed me all the opportunities. There's like youth people. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. And then there's, okay, the children's church. Absolutely not. I've heard some of those kids, they talk back to you and everything. Preschool? No. Uh-uh. No. Mm-mm. And so we went on down the list until I found a group that weren't too needy, but they couldn't talk yet. That's perfect. Those are the ones that I will do. And I'm telling you, I would go to nursery and we taught there like we do here. You teach us a little Bible lesson. I would go home with a headache every Wednesday because I was so stressed feeling like these babies who could not speak would somehow reject my lesson that I was teaching them. I don't know what I thought that they were going to do, but it totally stressed me out, but I faithfully went and did it week after week after week after week. Every Wednesday I go home with a headache because, you know, this is brand new territory for me. The more I taught, then when, when we started the church here, there was Mike and Danielle and I, and so I was the children's church teacher by default because there wasn't anybody else. We started the church in a hotel. And so we, they gave us a, a ballroom for the big people. And they gave us a hotel room for the kids. Well, they were supposed to take the beds out of a hotel room. Um, but a lot of the times they forgot. So I'd pile all the kids on one bed. They always give us a double queen. And I'd sit on the other queen bed and I'd teach them. And I found out that I liked teaching them. And I found out that I was learning things about the Word of God from teaching them. What was I doing? I was moving a bunch of, I was, I was crushing rock, and I was finding something there. Crushing rock, finding something in there. It's something I didn't know was even in there. I love teaching children. I love teaching anybody who will listen to me. I love when my grandkids come over. They, I, I love teaching them. I can't help it. It just comes out of me. <laughs> And then they start asking questions, and I just tell them, go ask their parents, okay? So, but um, you, these things, most of the time, have to be unearthed in us. You say, I got no gold nuggets. No, but you've got gold in you. You have something. You don't just have a place at the table. It's just like, I just want to sit and not talk. No. You have a contribution to the body of Christ. You have a contribution to your community. If you feel like, I'm not an ear, I'm not a this, I'm not a that, I'm not useful, you have no idea what you are. And so in these scriptures, he is saying, do not devalue or underestimate who you are. Don't look and say, I have no value because I can't. You don't even know what you can do yet. You don't even know what you have to bring to the table. And some people, you know, we get, especially in our culture, there are certain things that are, how many of you grew up and there were popular kids and not popular kids? 
y'all are just not even interacting with me. Like, you're all fibbing. It was that way through every generation. <laughs> there was, how, how many of y'all were in the popular kid group? I wasn't in the popular kid group. I, w- I was in the not popular kid group. See, I'm already, I'm already a not. Did you get that? I'm already a not. I'm only like this big. I'm already a not. I'm not popular. That's what I'm not. It doesn't matter what you're not. It matters what you are. And our life is to be a discovery. And this is not just for ourselves, but for that person who seems so messed up. They are so covered with debris and scars and sores. Do you know what your job is in the body of Christ? To help heal that up with love. To help move the dirt off of them. And to help mine for whatever is in them so that we can find the treasure that God has invested in them. That's what our contribution is. Our contribution is just not to say, oh, please, oh God, don't let them sit next to me. Don't let them talk to me. Don't let me, you know, no. Our job is to look at people not after the flesh, not after what life has done to people, but after what God has invested in them and what they have to contribute and to give. So now we're going to keep on, he addresses two big problems here. So the the first problem is, I I have nothing to offer. Then he goes on and he says, and, help me out, if, how about the next one? Okay, the eye, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. I got this down pat. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. I don't need you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. So, I don't enjoy sports. I'm not sporty. I'm not athletic. And I can't stay focused in watching sports. My husband has tried for years to train me. He's given up. So uh, there was many a game. He would say, Melody, watch. Well, I just got to run to the bathroom. Watch, see what happens. (gasps) And he'd come back. And in my eyes, I promise they're on the TV. I never, never, but I am in another place doing fun things. And this is not fun. And he would say, what happened? What happened? It's like, I do not know. I do not, I cannot tell you what happened, but I did watch, just like you said, but it doesn't interest me enough. But you know, those football players, they put on helmets. Why do they put on a helmet? What are they protecting? Their hair so it won't get messed up? Their brain. Have you ever seen your brain? I've never seen my brain. I've never even seen a picture of my brain. But they do important things to protect the brain because the brain's important, even though the brain, you can't see it. There's all sorts of organs and parts of a body that are not even visible. And yet, if one of them stops working right, what happens to the body? All sorts of things. You get one of those little glands that quits doing its job and squirt, squirt, squirt. It stops squirting. And all of a sudden, in the body, all sorts of things start messing up. It's what, what happened? What happened? Some little gland quit squirting on the inside of you that you didn't even, I mean, you studied it in science, but you never thought about your own little gland in there squirting stuff. You, you just never gave it a second thought, and yet 
all of a sudden you realize how important that it is to you. You know, there are people who do things and so often we forget to give gratitude to them because we don't see them. You know, there are people who clean things, people who pick up things. I just love people. When I, when I see someone, they walk by a piece of lint or something, they pick it, I just want to weep tears and cry. It's like, I just love you so much. I, I need you in my life. <laughs> it's valuable what people are able to see. Other people never even saw the lint. They weren't trying to be ugly or neglectful. They just never, ever saw it. They were on the way to something else. And so each one of us has something to contribute at the table. We have our place at the table. We have something to contribute at the table. And my job is to find what's in me, but my job is also to find out what's in you. And especially if life has done some hard things to you, then it's our job to gather around you and to help those things heal up through the ministry of love, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through including people in things. Um, I, I don't know if they do this anymore, but I promise for my entire life, you know, they do that thing in PE, let's choose teams. Whoever came up with that idea? It was a really dumb idea because guess who was always the last one chosen? And if they could have not chosen me, they would have just said, can she just sit the bench? <laughs> could she just sit on the sideline? My entire, when I was in high school, the entire team, when we, we had to do volleyball every year. And when it would be my turn to serve, that ball hurts. It hurts to do that. And my entire team would all get down on their knees in prayer when I served. They thought it was super funny. <clears throat> but I don't know that their prayers helped. You know, there are things that happen to people in life that just add a burden to them, add a weight to them. You don't know it. You don't know what things that have happened to people. And yet our job in this life is for every single one of us. Find our place at the table and then look around. I'm going to help you find your place at the table. I'm going to help you to make your contribution. What are you good at that? What are you good at? What do you like doing? Do you like serving? Do you like teaching? Do you like sweeping things? Do you like computering things? Do you like going and talking to people? Do you like drinking coffee with people? Do you like checking on on people who are stuck at home? I mean, what what it what is your con contribution? Do you like to teach children? Do you like to go out and share Jesus in in public places? What is it? What is it? Let me help unearth these things in you, because everybody has something that they can contribute. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, we're going to look at a single verse here. And this is so important for us to remember on both, on both um, ends of this. I will find it because apparently I didn't give it. I'm sorry. I can find it. Oh, I, love, oh, I hate it when they win the race. I just like to win the race. <laughs> for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. And both of these things that he talked about are included in here. Do you realize that you're not the standard? Who's the standard? Jesus is the standard. He's the one 
who is giving out gifts. He's saying, okay, there's going to be these things needed. I'm going to put this in, in them so it'll be there when it's needed. I'm going to put this in this person because it's going to be needed. I'm going to put this and I'm going to put this. And who are you, the Bible says, to judge another man's servant? If he said this is the gift that they need, then that's the gift that's going to be needed in that moment. So who are you to say, that has no value. We don't need that. We don't need to have that. Yeah, we don't need any more hands running. We've got plenty of hands. Don't need, don't need that. Who are you to judge another man's servant? There is value in every single one. And when we measure ourselves, when I either look uh, at someone and say, what I have isn't near as much as what they have, I'm making a mistake. Because who am I questioning? I'm questioning God and what he's given to me. I'm saying, Lord, you didn't, you didn't give me something significant. You gave everybody. Do you know that every single one of us, all we have to do is what God's asked us to do. It doesn't matter what it is. We find the gifts within ourselves. We help people around us find the gifts that are inside of them. We encourage them. You know, especially we're talking about that puzzle piece. Um, how many of you have ever been maybe camping or something and you had a can and and somebody forgot the can opener. Can, can you get the can open? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can get that can open, but when that can's open, it's not going to be pretty. But, you know, you can get used to opening a can that way, and you think this is the way we open cans, and somebody shows up with a gift of a can opener, and you're like, oh, take a seat. I've got this covered. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> I know how to open a can with my knife and a hammer. Yep, it's going to be great. I'll have this open in no time. And we, they're sitting there with their can opener, and we're like, nope, we got this covered. We don't need that. I'm going to go open it. We never give them a chance to start to figure out how to use their gift, how, how, to, how to give it to other people who are around them. we got to give people a place at the table. we got to give them a chance to learn how to use their gift. You know, I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I have had because uh, the truth is I have discovered gifts inside of myself that I never would have had any suspicion whatsoever that they were in there. None. I never, ever would have thought, oh, this gift is on the inside of me. But I have been surrounded with a husband who has given me opportunity to find out some things that are not my gift. Sometimes he lets me know that. <laughs> That's not your gift, Melody. It's like, okay. But he's also given me an opportunity to stumble and to learn and to figure out how I can get all the stuff off of the gold to bring the gift and cause it to be utilized. You know, we have to give that room to people who are around us. We have to give it to them in the church. We have to give it to them in the workplace. We have to give it to them in the home. How many of you were ever guilty with your children when you're trying to teach them to do chores of just sneaking and getting it done before they could ever had a chance because it's just like, I can't, I can't go through that. I can't endure that, watching them shine that window and getting it dirtier than what it started out. I can't deal with still teaching them how to do this. You know, uh, I was very guilty of that, but everyone has to be given the opportunity to perfect the gifts that are in them, to discover the gifts that are in them. And I just want you to realize every 
every single one of us, every single one of you, no exceptions in this room, have a place at the table. Every single one of you, no matter how old you are, how young you are, have something to contribute. And what you have to contribute is valuable. Don't be saying, I have nothing to give. Don't be looking at people and saying they have nothing to give. If you feel like they have nothing to give, then say, okay, Lord, here we go. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to let those wounds that are in them heal. And I'm going to work to unearth that gift that's on the inside of them. I'm going to help them pull some boulders off of them, move some gravel out of the way, and we're going to find what kind of treasures that God has placed on the inside of them. Father, none of us would be here except for you. Lord, you saw each one of us in your heart before you ever spoke, before you ever started the creative process, before you ever formed man. And Lord, we are so grateful that you have given us a place that you didn't design us to be a nothing, but you designed us, Lord, to be a something. And Father, I pray for every person in this room, really help them, Lord, you know, we, we are flesh. And Lord, those people who are around them who are treasures that they have not presented as treasures, Father, I just ask that you would help them, help them, Lord, to love those people with the love of God, to give them opportunity to learn and to grow and to increase in their gifting. Oh, we thank you, Father, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you're there to help us. And Father, we just, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you that you are here, Lord, to bring people into your kingdom today, to bring them into your family. If you have never received the Lord Jesus, all you have to do is, is just let him know you want him. Say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I receive you. I want a place at your table. I'm so grateful that you want to include me because he gave everything for you because he valued you so much.